Welcome to the Rocky Mountain Freedom Zone podcast. I'm your host, Kevin Williams. If you want to follow the podcast on Facebook, go ahead and do so at Rocky Mountain Freedom Zone. If you want to follow the podcast on Getter, Truth Social, and Twitter, go ahead and do so at RKY Freedom. That's at RKY Freedom. If there's a guest you think I should interview, you have a suggestion, or you just want to drop a line, you can go ahead and email me as well. That email address is Rocky Mountain Freedom Zone at protonmail.com. That's Rocky Mountain Freedom Zone at protonmail.com. I personally would like to thank you for listening to the Rocky Mountain Freedom Zone podcast. If you think that election fraud is only an issue in states such as New York, Michigan, Washington State, Oregon, etc., you are ever so mistaken. Yes, election fraud does exist here in Montana. Teresa Manzella was my guest on this episode of the Rocky Mountain Freedom Zone podcast. Teresa Manzella, if you don't recall, was my guest on the inaugural episode of this podcast. Well, she was back again. Teresa put on an election fraud presentation at her church on July 5th of this year in Hamilton, Montana. We discussed that presentation. Wait till you hear her response when I ask her about the blockchain. Also, we talked about the need to go back to hand-counting ballots on good old-fashioned paper. Yes, I know. I'm a blind person. I would have to deal with that myself in terms of how to vote. You may or may not like my response on how to deal with a ballot on good old-fashioned paper as a blind person. But if you listen to this episode with an open mind, you just might come away thinking. Speaking of thinking, I think that you will thoroughly enjoy this fascinating conversation that Teresa Manzilla and I had about election fraud. Buckle up and enjoy the ride. Hi, Teresa. How are you? I'm good, Kevin. How about yourself? Oh, I'm doing just fine. I had a great 4th of July. What did you do over the 4th of July? You know, um, <laughs> let's see. The 4th of July, my my husband's favorite brother came into town and his, uh, uh, his wife. And so we entertained them on the 4th of July. And then uh, most of the day, I actually prepared for the 5th of July which was when we had Dr. Doug Frank in town to do an all-day presentation on uh, everything election-related and specifically on uh, the path forward and canvassing for actionable fraud. And so we had uh, 60 patriots, six uh, counties represented at that presentation, and um, it was very, very good, very, very well-received, and great information was shared. Is there a recording of that presentation, by the way? I did. I did do just a simple iPhone recording, uh, very, very amateur-ish, but uh, I did record it, and it is available on my Rumble channel. Um, oh, okay. Yeah, I just posted it. I just posted it a little bit ago. Um, and how do people find you on Rumble? Uh, ter- just under Teresa Manzella. Okay, it's M-A-N-Z-E-L-L-A. Correct. Uh, Teresa, is it your first name too or just your last name? Yep, Teresa Manzella. So That's T-H-E-R-E-S-A, then M-A-N-Z-E-L-L-A. Yes. All right. So uh, how did the presentation go? What kind of enlightenment did you get in the presentation? Let's talk about election fraud and how it relates to Montana. Yeah, Well, that is obviously debatable. There's a lot of people that would have you believe that there is absolutely no uh, any any form of election fraud in Montana. And and I would beg to differ with that. And I would offer several different examples of election fraud that we know has happened. Um, uh, This was specific to uh, Dr. Frank's theory is that they used the 2010 census to identify all of the demographics in all of our counties and precincts. And then they knew exactly how many people lived in the areas. And um, you might be aware that Judicial Watch actually broke the case that there were, I believe it was 300 and 60 some counties in the United States that had 
more votes than people were actually registered to vote. And oh, some wow. of those, yeah, some of those did happen to be in Montana. And, um, and so they create ballots. Uh, his theory is that ballots are created through um, uh, people who are actually deceased, people who used to live here, but live here no more. Uh, and, uh, and then sometimes they're just completely made up. So, um, so that's what we, he was teaching about was how to canvas for actionable fraud, because fraud doesn't have a statute of limitations on it. And if we can actually uh, find some cases of actionable fraud, then uh, they can be put forth for investigation. The The deal with this whole election integrity and the fraud is that, you know, it was done basically through a computer program and they're, excuse me, so intelligent, um, there's no perpetrator to be found or uh, prosecuted. So that that creates that creates a huge problem for, for all parties concerned. But, um, you know, in the 2020 election, we, Montana was over 80%, 80, I believe it was 81 point something percent of uh, voter turnout. That's really unheard of. And most people who've done the studies on this would tell you that that's pretty unrealistic to think that we would have over 80% voter turnout. Um, it just doesn't happen. And then here in my county, in River Valley County, we had actually over 85% voter turnout. And and again, the people who study this stuff, uh, that leads them to believe that they did impose um, artificial ballots uh, to drive the numbers in the way that they wanted to drive them. But uh, obviously we swept uh, Montana, Rep Republicans swept Montana. So that's a lot of the uh, opposition and the and the resistance that I'm that I encounter is why are you even worried about it when we put Republicans into every land board position and uh, all but one of our congressional seats we own? Uh, why are you worried about it? And um, oh, come on, Teresa, aren't Republicans supposed to be the messiah? <laughs> yeah yeah that'd be nice it'd be nice if we were uh, it'd be nice if we could just secure our elections like our like our uh, constitutional directive dictates so yeah. yeah but i just think they're planning for bigger bigger projects in the future you know so well Teresa, just... what do you think and you may not know the answer and that's perfectly fine what do you think the chances are of let's say my parents they are now dead they are, were buried in Utah, and what do you think the chances of somebody in Utah using both my father and mother's name to vote? What do you think the chances are? If you don't know, that's okay. Yeah, I, I'm not a statistician, and I, I don't know. I'm in the same situation with my parents, and uh, I I threaten to um, to look that up, you know, to see if... But, you know, you have to, uh, like, I can check my voter page on our Secretary of State's website to confirm whether or not I voted, but I can't confirm whether or not anybody else voted. So uh, I'm not even sure how you would go go through the process of doing that unless you had uh, you had the voter rolls, and and that is something. That's, it's a federal law that the voter rolls must be accessible to the citizenry. So uh, our secretary of state, our state charges us for those voter rolls every time we get them. It's a pretty, pretty spendy uh, cost. So, um, so if you got the voter rolls, then you could, in theory, determine whether or not your parents were used in that way and that's the kind of thing that we're looking for and uh if we find that that has happened then we will actually go to someone like yourself as a son or the county in which they died and we will solicit a death certificate and we will then 
have the uh, proof uh, between the uh, death certificate and the fact that they uh, allegedly voted uh, to have a case brought forth. So how would I check then to see if anyone voted un- under my parents' name or any other relative, my grandparents, cousins? How do I check? I'm sure each each state has its own way, but how, how would you check here in the state of Montana? I guess you only have access to where the you voted. The voter rolls, yeah. Yeah, you have to buy the voter rolls. and uh, You have to buy them with money? Or you have to? Yeah. Wow, yeah. okay. Yeah, if you wanted a subscription, and that's what that's what one of us, uh, a few of us are talking about doing is we're going to pool our resources. A An annual subscription to the voter rolls is $5,000. Oh. And um, then you could do daily downloads because what we're seeing happening is that people are being put on and taken off the voter rolls um, seemingly without rhyme or reason. And it's very hard to track where that's coming from because it could be the secretary of state. It could be the local election clerks. And I believe, I believe there could be a federal component to that as well. Um, And uh, so uh, as an example, uh, there are reports from other uh, states where 33,000 ballots had their zip codes changed before they were sent out. And so those people that were supposed to get those ballots didn't receive those ballots, but yet they voted. Somebody voted for them in the election. And uh, then immediately following the election, their zip codes were fixed and corrected on the voter rolls. So um, there you can see a clear um motive for fraud in that situation so i got my ballot mailed to me i voted and i had a friend drop it off at uh, one of the drop boxes i could i could trust my friend but i wasn't even sure if that was a safe idea or not and uh, i just did it because it was easy for me but uh so what's when you because I've read some I read on a website here as I was doing my research I'm sure you're familiar with the movie Two Thousand Mules. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, one of oh, well, go ahead. No, no, okay. that's a great movie. Please yeah, one of the uh, whistleblowers, and I'm sure that you've seen this, and we'll relate this here to Montana. But since you brought this up, well, let's just go ahead and uh, carry this conversation through. Uh, one of the whistleblowers said that she was a receptionist. I assume that she was a receptionist. I don't know where, but she was a receptionist, and her job was to drop these ballots off at the library. At a library, this is in Maricopa County, Arizona, Yuma, mm-hmm. and she would drop these off. And I guess somebody would come in and check the ballots every Friday. But then occasionally, this receptionist was asked to go drop off the ballots at the library. And she didn't understand why they couldn't, she didn't just drop them off at City Hall. Furthermore, she was told, oh, by the way, you got to drop these off in the evening when it's dark. And there was Mm. no camera. So, and then uh, there was another incident in 2020. No, uh, no, I'm sorry. In 2022, when Governor Kerry Lake was running, that's been a mess. But uh, there was an incident when uh, she or somebody was doing the rolls from October 7th, 2022. And the rolls had the, the zip codes and all that. And then somebody checked the exact same rolls, 96 hours approximately before the election of November 8th, 2022. Lo and behold, a bunch of zip codes changed. How does that happen? Because nobody knows. Because what if they all got their ballot, the zip codes change, explains how that happens. If, in fact, somebody did get their ballot or whatever. Right. That's that is evidence of of voter roll tampering. And that would obviously be illegal if you can catch someone in the act. But that's part of the problem, uh, the weaknesses in this system that we use, this digital system is people can find these back doors 
into the digital data set and make the changes without anybody being the wiser. And, uh, you know, that was proven in Maricopa County. Uh, and you've got the Halderman reports now, one, two, three, and four, um, that supports that. So, yeah, there's... there's so, a- let's say, though, I got my ballot. Let's say I'm in Yuma. I got my ballot. I voted. But then, lo and behold, my zip code changed at the last minute. So, how did somebody go from getting my ballot to me, I voted, I mailed it in, or however I did it, and then my zip code changed. How would they have tampered that to change it? Or how are does you, that... Are, are you saying that your zip code changed because the post office changed your zip code? No. According to this uh, article that I'd read, the post office did not change these people's zip code. It was the, I guess it was the election commission or something. Yeah. Let, let's just get a scenario going here. Let's suppose I'm in Yuma. Let's let's just, uh, for conversation's sake, say that I was in Yuma back in 2022. Let's say October 3rd, I get my ballot. Mm-hmm. You know, this is before somebody even did the roll check. I voted. I submitted it. Let's just say put it in the drop box somewhere, City Hall or somewhere. And then somehow I'm able to find out 96 hours before the election that my zip code according uh, on my ballot changed how would somebody have tampered it and is this kind of thing going on where somebody actually did vote legitimately but then somebody changed somebody's zip code on the ballot on the ballot well it wouldn't be on the ballot uh because there's um I don't know how they, I don't know how they do it in Arizona, quite frankly, but yeah, that is, it sounds like they were potentially creating a duplicate voting situation. If, if somebody's already received their ballot and they've already voted it, then um, the only reason they would be to change the zip code would be to get it, get the ballot to go to an, uh, another address uh, where it could be intercepted and then filled out and turned in potentially well we have a situation uh, in well down in utah uh, there is a talk show host i don't know if you've heard of kate daly you may have maybe you haven't no kate daly okay well she's uh somewhat of a popular talk show host down in utah depending on how you define popular she's definitely popular with her audience let's put it that way mm-hmm. her son at the time in 2020 that was 16 got a ballot he didn't use it but if this is a consistent thing we've got to address this that makes me think that there's an agenda going on here don't you think absolutely absolutely and and furthermore let's bring this closer to home here in montana um there was an incident where i believe it was in 2020 here in montana the machine's warning label was damaged Yet you have an election administrator, Chris DeRosio, saying that uh, it was just the labels that were torn off. The seals were not damaged. Uh, What would you say to that? And do you remember that particular incident? You know, I'm not familiar with the names involved, but I think what you're depicting is the situation we had in Carbon County. Yes, that's right. Okay. Where uh, they were actually... uh, certifying the machines and they were testing the machines for certification. And there were some savvy citizens present watching the testing process. And they noticed that the seals, the warranty seals were broken on the machines. And that is a no, no, if, if, because that obviously indicates that for some, some reason, somebody was in that machine Were they in it to do an update. Were they in it to put in a modem or a, or a SIM card that would allow it to connect to the internet? Uh, were they in it for repairs? That That is a strict chain of custody issue that should have, there should have been a legitimate answer. There should have been a log made of why they were in the machine. And then seals should have been replaced immediately and logged as to the date and time and the reason that they were in the machine and somebody should have initialed it. Somebody of, of authority and in a position of responsibility should have done that. But, 
but they didn't. They just, uh, they were re very, very lax and haphazard with the manner in which they handled that situation. And, and uh, they took no responsibility for it. They tried to make excuses. Uh, and then that's the same county that there's now a video uh, floating around of uh, one of the election administrators, uh, shred, uh, it appears, it, it appears that one of the election administrators is actually shredding ballots. And uh, that, of course, is uh, breaking the law as well. So um, it's all very interesting. I want to go back, though, to what you were talking about, about the warning label being damaged, somebody getting into the machine, because in the same article that I read, it did mention that this company, uh, Election Systems, mm -hmm. that... They, yeah, they offered, they did go get into the systems and update them back in February of 2020. And they, so according to her, Crystal Rocio, they offered to replace all the machines. But then I guess the decision was made no, because it would take too long and it would take too long before the primaries came. Are you aware of? such conversation that took place uh i am aware of a ongoing litigation uh that some citizens have brought forth attempting to address some of those issues uh and uh, i hope that they're taken seriously and and successful in their efforts um yeah the you might you might remember back in 2020, um, Solar Winds and I believe it's Firefly is the cybersecurity group. But Solar Winds is a is a major uh, software company provider that manages a lot of our high level uh, governmental assets: our Department of Treasury, our Department of Justice, our Department of Homeland Security. Um, Secretary of State, um, a, a bunch of those, and and they were they were hacked, and you know they were supposed to be unhackable, and the way they did it was they did it through a malware update, so they had the ability to put on these thumb drives uh, malware that's built into them, and they can be uh, anytime a computer is updated, this this malware can be inserted and it can lie dormant. And in the case of solar winds, it did it, it lied dormant for, I believe like six months until it would came to life at, at the appropriate time that it had been programmed, pre-programmed to come to life and, and do a lot of uh, destruction. And that's the same thing with, uh, with our programs, any kind of, any, you you can't secure these systems. It is my opinion, based on what I've learned over the past three years, is that you you simply can't secure these systems. So uh, and the technology is only getting better, and uh, now we've got artificial intelligence coming online, and that's only going to make matters worse. So. Um, so, yeah, I, our thought is that the answer is to go back to hand counting for one thing. And that's only one element. And, and that won't cure our problems, but it will help. Um, go you back know what? I agree with you. Hand counting at the precinct level. And then we have to clean up our voter rolls. We've got to start with clean voter rolls. So uh, we're still working on what we do about that. Well, even the Montana Gazette uh, last year mentioned that somebody was doing ballot harvesting for the elderly people and somebody was going around registering pseudonyms. I don't know if you remember that article or not. Somebody was doing mm -hmm. ballot harvesting. Oh, yeah. And by the way, it's interesting that I don't, do you, did you catch, I guess there was a guy last year that was convicted for voter fraud as I came across my research, Samuel Hill, does that ring a bell in Whitefish? No. Okay. No. Well, he was going around um, 
registering under false IDs, and now he's got uh, prison time for up to five years, and then he gets a year of supervision if all goes accordingly. Hmm. Why is this guy getting cut? But the whole system, everybody, seems like a lot of people involved are getting away with it except for the Samuel Hill person. Yeah, well, it's very hard to prove when you're, again, working through the computer systems. It's hard to identify the source. Um, and that's why we are looking for the actionable fraud items. The if If we can prove that dead people are voting, then that's actionable fraud that we can take to a sheriff and say, okay, now you have something to investigate, something tangible to investigate. Here's Here's the dead person who's voted. Here's his death certificate. Uh, obviously, a dead person can't vote. So that that is fraud. That is legitimate fraud. Um, so, uh, yeah, uh, you know, there was the case in the um, Phillips County, I believe it was, where we had two non-citizens voting. And they, all they have to do is attest that they are citizens and they can vote. Um, mm-hmm. and, and that's, that's wrong. In my opinion, that's, that's terribly, terribly wrong. And so they did vote and their ballots were cast. And once those ballots are cast, they cannot be retrieved because there's no way of knowing which ballot is theirs. Uh, but they, their citizenry was challenged by a citizen and the sheriff and the election clerk took the citizen seriously in that situation. And um, yes, they were proven to be non-citizens, but they just fled the country. They, they were going to be prosecuted on felony charges, but they fled the country. And that particular race was a local municipality race that was separated by two votes. Two votes. Oh yeah, was that here were, in Billings? It was in Phillips County. Okay. And that was and that was uh, you know the 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 uh, separation of win to loss was two votes and they voted and there's no way to retrieve those votes. So um, so that election by rights by principle was actually null and void and. Uh, should not have been certified because we know that there were two non-citizens that voted in it. So those are the kinds of things that we're dealing with. Um, And in Missoula, we had another, uh, another situation where the Patriots, the grassroots uh, election integrity people there counted the envelopes and they found um, that they had for over 4,500 missing missing envelopes. Uh, so every ballot has an envelope that goes with it, and the election clerks won't let you count the ballots, but they did let them count the envelopes in this case, and they found that they were forty-five over 4,500 envelopes short. So where did those, you know, where did those ballots come from and why weren't there correlating envelopes? Let me ask you a question. Um, Do you think, well, let me go back here. Um, I know that in one of the meetings that you had, uh, and I think it was on June 5th, it sounded like it was quite a fiasco. I uh, Were you there at that meeting? I assume that you were. I was not. I was on our cruise at that time. I had been at the four meetings previous. Okay. Uh, Do you want to comment on those meetings? What happened? Yeah. Uh, We have have a great group of grassroots patriots here in Ravalli County that uh, just simply want to confirm for our citizens that the election process is fair and free and transparent. And uh, we had... Um, so they organized these four different meetings up and down the valley to try to get the citizens aware of the fact that uh, the Montana Election Integrity Project 
did a bunch of canvassing based on the 2020 election, and they found a great number of anomalies that they presented, things that just really didn't make sense. Um, and then we have uh, Greg Woodward, who took Dr. Frank's instruction and was able to duplicate Dr. Frank's results. And then he was able to predict the outcome of all of the county uh, races based on this, what he calls one, one key. And it's a mathematical equation. And you simply shouldn't be able to do that with any level of accuracy. But yet, yeah, you know, he, he and Dr. Frank and a few others have been able to do that with complete and total accuracy. And then we had uh, a, 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 a lady, I can never get her name right. I believe it's Vesla. Uh, and she is from Venezuela. And she shared her experience growing up in Venezuela and as she was growing up, Venezuela was a very prosperous country. And but she watched Venezuela be taken over uh, and turned communistic through the election process. And she sees the same things taking place here in America. And so she was there to um, raise a red flag and and let people know what's coming and that we have to do defend our elections. And so the culmination of that was the meeting with the commissioners and the sheriff and the election clerk on June 5th. And the meeting was scheduled to run from seven o'clock till 10 o'clock. And I guess it went uh, till after one o'clock in the morning. Um, yeah, there, it was a five there, hour meeting. Yeah, there, there were over 500 citizens in attendance. And um Everybody had questions they wanted to ask and they wanted answered and um, not everybody had the opportunity to get their questions answered. So, uh, so yeah, that's, that's the basis for having Dr. Frank come. And uh, he also visited with one of our County commissioners while he was here and, and just uh, enlightened him to the possibilities. Uh, you know, a lot of people don't even know, what they don't know. And I was one of those concerning technology. I'm so ignorant about technology that I don't even know what I don't know. And therefore I don't even know what questions to ask technology and, and the things that can be done through technology today is so far beyond my ability to even comprehend, um, you know, that, uh, there again, I, I don't believe that we're going to be able to stay in front of technology as a state, I think it would cost us billions and billions of dollars to even try to do so. So I think for us as a state that has just over a million two people and 700,000 voters, I think the, the, the best, most economical, safest, most transparent thing for us to do is to go back to hand counting at the precinct level and uh, decentralize the power from the state and give I it want back. to go, yeah, let's talk about hand, hand counting. I agree with you, by the way. Okay. Here's the problem, though. The blind community, and I have to bring this up because I'm blind. If I don't bring it up, someone's going to chastise me and give me all kinds of flack, as much mm -hmm. as I agree with you. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Here's what's going to happen. Oh, us blind people, we can't vote. Yes, you can. Have someone go to the voting booth with you that you trust. Oh, it's going to take away my independence. Well, then that leads to another question. Mm -hmm. Could mm -hmm. Montana, and would they, and I assume the answer is yes, give somebody a Braille ballot? Because believe it or not, they used to have Braille ballots back in the day. I never used one, but I am aware that they existed when I was a kid. Yeah. Yeah. That's a, you, that's a great question. It's a very interesting idea. And I, if they did it before, then I'm sure we could do it again. Yeah. Well, well let me ask you this. Cause I know you're not very tech savvy. You just admitted that. Right. Uh, but let me ask you a couple questions. Were these, have these voting machines that Montana has used? In 2020, 2022, were they ever connected to the Internet? Because the election commissioner swears. Uh, no, no, no. I'm sorry. Not the election commissioner. The secretary of state here in Montana, Christy Jacobson, 
swears that they were not connected to the internet. Do you know if that was true or not? Well, um, what I know is that it's law. The law says they cannot, the, um, the election systems cannot have modems in them. Uh, and then I also know that a modem is no longer necessary for connectivity. Something as small as a SIM card can be, uh, can create a network. And I often offer the example of my dear friend who moved from Darby, Montana to Costa Rica. She left her Ford pickup, her 2021 Ford pickup here in Darby, Montana through the winter. And she could start her Ford pickup from Costa Rica based on an app on her phone that created in a network 3,000 miles, you know, countries away uh, through an app on her phone. And, and she does not have Wi-Fi in Costa Rica, but what she does have is international cell service. So I use that example for those who are non-tech savvy people like myself to help them understand that um, we can create complete networks through cell phones. And there is something called PID technology that is in our thermostats. You might remember uh, when, when California was having the rolling brownouts because their temperatures were so high and they didn't have enough electricity to manage all the air conditioning units. And those thermostats create, they're called uh, smart meters, and they have they can create their own network. And yeah, you can, can install a smart meter on your house. In fact, the brand new houses these days do have such a thing, yes. Right. And we actually passed a law in Montana that you can prohibit Northwest Energy uh, from installing one of those in your house, if you so choose, because it does increase your risk of a fire hazard. And some people just, it creeps them out to have uh, somebody in authority from an, a centralized location other than your home, being able to turn down your thermostat. So that's another example of a network that is created through technology that you know, a lot of people just don't have any comprehension of. So, um, so yeah, I think it's entirely possible uh, that networks are created uh, by the cell phones. And, you know, there's reports of um, different, not in Montana, I never heard about this, but in different states, um, certain people were given burner phones from NGOs, you know, and I would have to believe that it's possible that that was for the purpose of creating a network, that information could be intercepted. Yeah. So you don't know then if the Secretary of State of Montana, Chrissy Jacobson, was right when she says that these machines were not connected to the Internet. You're not sure. No, I, I'm I'm not I'm not sure, and I don't okay. I wouldn't want to make a blanket statement, yes or no. I'm good with that answer. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, but and so, let me ask you this though. Oh yeah, back to the hand counting issue. Yeah. So, folks, uh, you know, if we go back to the hand counting issue, and if you're blind, you know, yeah, you're gonna you may if you don't know Braille. And if the, and I, I would assume, I would imagine that uh, Governor John Forte and people like you would be pretty reasonable to hand out Braille ballots. This is nothing new. This has been done years before. I would imagine you folks would be okay with it. And if you don't know Braille, then take somebody with you who you trust. And right. if, you know, if you trust that person, then they should vote, you know, write in who you voted for. Obviously, you're going to want to go into the booth with that person. By the way, that's how I did my first election back in 1998. We didn't have these machines back then. Well, maybe we did, but they weren't as well known, and they were probably only in certain areas. And some people will say, well, Kevin, if we did away with the, the machine ballots, 
Yeah, it's going to take away our independence as blind people. We can't go in and use the talking ballot machines because I don't know if you know this, Teresa, but I'm sure you do. When you hook up the headphones, you can actually there's headphones on these machines and they talk to you. I'm sure you probably have been made aware of that. Mm-hmm. And, you know, people say, oh, well, it's our, our independence is lost. Well, we might have to give up certain things to get our security back while we work on these voting machines being hooked up to the Internet are so encrypted. I don't know that they, they can be so encrypted that nobody can hack into that. I don't know if that's possible. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. I do wonder this, though. Did the topic on this presentation that you had, I assume it was at your church, correct? It was, yes. Yeah, uh-huh. okay. Where was that, by the way? Was that in Hamilton? Yes. Yeah, mm-hmm. okay. So I assume that this, did the blockchain come up? Because I've heard people say, well, let's use the blockchain. And what would, do you know, did he talk about the blockchain at all? No, no, we didn't. We didn't talk about the blockchain. He he makes his living from electronics and building computer systems. And he has just made it clear that uh, he believes that he can hack he himself can hack any system created. Huh. So therefore, he's not so arrogant as to think that he's the only one that can hack any electronic system that's created. Oh, um, yeah. He, if if he hacked into it, I'll bet yeah. you there's a lot of people that have. Exactly. So uh, he just believes that, you know, going back to the future, if we can use the... Uh, and you know the DeLorean analogy, uh, the movie with a crazy scientist and Michael J. Fox. Um, Back to the Future is hand counting, uh, and it's simplistic, and it saves you a lot of money. And there's there's counties across the states now that are starting to come around to that idea. He's got uh, a couple counties in California, and he's, he's got like twenty more right on the verge of ready to commit to hand counting well let me ask you this are you optimistic that at least here in montana that this is going to get resolved i know it's not going to happen overnight i wish it would but do you think we'll get some of this resolved by 2024 and we can go on our merry way or is that unrealistic how optimistic are you yeah i think it's i think it's quite quite optimistic about it uh it's we're certainly going to try and in montana we do have the benefit of uh, a law that enables us to hand count and that every county gets the decision as to whether or not they want to hand count or not so my current focus is working on a local ballot initiative that will be on the 2024 primary ballot in june that will give the citizens of River Valley County the opportunity to vote whether or not they want the machines or not. And if they determine that they don't want the machines, uh, then the primary means of counting will become hand counting. And that is the citizen's decision to make. And the only the only uh, issue I have is, you know, who's going to count those? Who's going to count those ballots? We'll have to try to oversee them. And then we're also going to, again, be working on the second part of that, which is cleaning up the voter rolls and maintaining uh, control of the voter rolls. Yeah. And so do you think, what do you, what do you think will happen to counties like uh, the one that Missoula's in and the one that Billings is in and where they might be a little bit more liberal? What do you think will happen there in 2024? Any idea? I don't, I don't have any idea. It's uh we, I'm doing weekly calls and I have nine counties represented on these calls and Missoula County and uh, Gallatin County are two of the counties that are representative two of the big, big blue counties. And um, so there are grassroots efforts taking place, but it is going to be up to the people of the, of the individual counties to run this. This is, you know, uh, for far too long, we have kind of uh, been uh, sitting on our apathy 
and mm -hmm. now it's time for the citizens to make their desires known and uh, so often we hear that they don't like top-down government so this is their chance to put bottom-up government to work for them you mentioned the word apathy i have to mention a song here sorry folks but I like to quote songs or mention of songs. The song has nothing to do with apathy, but uh, there is a song called, um, I can't remember, I'm drawing a blank right now, but there is a song by Alanis Morissette, and in the lyrics it says, I'm frustrated by your apathy. Mm. Oh, it's called All I Really Want. That's what it is. All I Really Want. Now, it has nothing to do, but are you frustrated out there with people's apathy? Let's turn it back on to the election here. I'm actually very pleased with the uh, level of engagement uh, from our citizens um, right now. I mean, if you look at the Rasmussen polls, over 60 percent of American citizens, and that's a make you know a mix of Democrats and Republicans, believe that the 2020 election was stolen, and they still continue to believe that election fraud will play a major role in the outcome of our 2024 elections. So, um, people are very concerned about our elections, and some of them are willing to, you know, put their time and treasure into trying to secure the elections, and and. Uh, and so I've got a great group working in Ravalli County. And uh, again, we've got nine other counties that have these election integrity groups that we know of. And there's possible that there's other groups that are being put together and, you know, formulated right now that we're not aware of. So if they hear this podcast and they want to get in touch with me and uh, we're all working together for the same common goal to and we all have different experiences to draw from. Uh, it's been amazing to hear how many different types of fraud has taken place in different areas. And uh, and we can all benefit and grow and learn in our overall knowledge from one another and work together so that we're not reinventing the wheel. So that's what we're doing. So what is, what is the best thing right now that the average citizen like me it can do? I mean, I, I, I'm going to get the information, but what else can I do and other folks do to help people such as you and other well, Freedom Caucus members? Yeah. Uh, truly, if people would uh, vote on Election Day in person, um avoid the absentee voting, avoid the mail-in ballot, uh, avoid the early voting, um, that would be huge because that makes it very, very, it makes it a lot harder for the cheaters to cheat if um, when we're when we're voting on election day in person. The mail-in ballots are the root of uh, a lot of the cheating efforts. Um, so that, and uh, just be open and, um, you know, I appreciate you sharing this podcast and doing anything that we should look for though, any flaws, anything that we should look for when there's a city council meeting or anything that we should, we can, any red flags that should go off in our mind, you know? Yeah. Letter writing uh, in support of hand counting, um, anytime, you know, they've established a, a, a pattern, a model now that they were successful with in creating the crisis of the COVID pandemic and then, and then creating a scenario where they had to do the all male ballot because although it was okay to wait in line at Walmart, it wasn't okay to wait in line at the polling place so therefore they had to do the all-mail ballot so you know um the red flags are all of the uh register to vote that's going on right now everybody is pr pr promoting this register to vote thing um quite frankly i would prefer that uh you know it's it's great that people are registering to vote 
but in many situations, you know, their information is not being confirmed and verified. If they're, if they're doing it online, uh, their, the ability to, for non-citizens to become registered to vote increases exponentially. Um, so, you know, and just stress that the chain of custody, go, go and ask your election clerk, what is the chain of custody, uh, on, on the entire ballot system. And the, and we have found a lot of holes, even though we think that we've got a good election clerk who's been on the job 23 years, we've still identified some holes in our chain of custody in Ravalli County. And it's every citizen's job to know that the chain of custody and the election process is secure in their county. Yeah. Well, is there anything else? By the way, if you don't mind, stay with me here real quick after the podcast. Uh, I do want to tell you something real fast. But is there anything else that you want to talk about? Anything I may have overlooked? Nope, that's it. I'm going to be going to the Lindell event in uh, uh, Springfield, Missouri in the middle of August. And uh, yeah, there's just... uh, all kinds of things broken, breaking loose on this election stuff. So, would you encourage tuned. anyone to go to that event? I, I never heard it's of it invi- until now. It's an invitation only event, and um, so no, you can't attend, but you certainly can tune in. You can watch the event. Um, so just go to Mike Lindell or uh, Frank Speech, and you can uh, find information. I believe he's calling it the crime bureau symposium. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Well, good. Okay. All right. All right. Well, it's been nice visiting with you, Kevin. Thank you very much. Yeah. And, uh, Teresa, you have a standing invitation to come on here again. If you, if there's something you want me to get the word out, just give me a call. And I'll put you on the podcast whenever. I appreciate that. Thank you so much. There there is lots to talk about. That's for sure. Yeah. All right, uh, folks, I will talk to you later. Thank you for listening to the Rocky Mountain Freedom Zone podcast. If you want to follow us on Facebook, go ahead and do so at Rocky Mountain Freedom Zone. If you want to follow us on Twitter, Gitter, and True Social, you can do so at RKY Freedom. That's R-K-Y, then the word freedom. If you have a suggestion, comment, or you know of a guest that you think I should interview, go ahead and email the podcast. That email is RockyMountainFreedomZone at ProtonMail.com. That's RockyMountainFreedomZone at Proton, P-R-O-T-O-N-M-A-I-L.com. That's RockyMountainFreedomZone at ProtonMail.com. Thank you for listening.